When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here along with ESPN <clears throat> Chicago Bears reporter Courtney Cronin, who is returning from the NFL Combine. Courtney, how are the Bears? You know, it doesn't feel all that dissimilar from the time I was covering the Vikings, except that I know very little about this team and am swimming upstream. And I'm not HBIC like I was with you and I. Um, so I'm kidding. There's a, there's a lot. It, it's been great. I mean, the first week on the beat, I think I started literally, yeah, a week ago today. Um, it's been great. People have been incredibly kind. I got a chance to get in front of some people from the organization at the Combine, which was really helpful. I figured if there's a good time to make a switch, it's probably when everyone else is brand new. I mean, there's a new coach, there's a new GM, very similar to that in Minnesota, except I don't have the institutional knowledge that I'm trying to build right now of, okay, well, where's this team going based on the last few seasons? And it's not hard to do. It's just a matter now of reading a ton and really trying to talk to people to be like, all right, well, what went wrong during the Matt Nagy era? Why, why did Allen Robinson have a fractured relationship with this team? It's really just trying to get myself up to speed on issues like that. So I can be well-versed in this team, but no, I mean, it's been really, really fun to get to be home. I mean, I've only been home for a couple of days because like you, I was at the Indianapolis, I was in Indianapolis for the scouting combine all week last week. And I'm still recovering because those are late nights and I'm very tired. Yeah. When you get back from that, uh, it's always like, it takes a couple of days to get back in the mode. Well, plus Eastern time throws you off anyway. I mean, if you're staying out until 3 a.m. Eastern time, it's just like, what is even going on with my life when you return? Um, but I, I want to know about your first impressions of the Bears new leadership, because like you said, I mean, you're not dropping in where everybody else knows everything about the coach and the general manager. You're dropping into a situation as a reporter where you're learning the same as the other reporters are so they may know more about the 52nd man on the roster but they don't know more about uh matt eberfish and uh ryan pace of yes i'm going to call him matt eberfish and you're going to call uh, you're going to call ryan poles ryan pace because oh RP yeah that's right and rp that's right makes ryan sense Poles. that's right do you well, think that they had to like take his whole nameplate off the door at Hallis Hall, they could have just taken like the A C E, like chip those parts out and be O L E S. And they did that. Depends on how cheap they are. I mean, Soldier Field does have about the worst actual playing surface. So if other things are dealt with that way, yes, yeah, sorry. Ryan Poles is what I meant. One time Viking GM. One time mm -hmm. at least he was offered the job and didn't take it. Uh, so for a day there. Uh, but uh, give me your first impressions of those two. I feel like it is more 
more similar, at least this marriage, it feels like it's got a lot more of the same vibes that I experienced with Spielman and Zimmer. Like what I've noticed with Quasi and Kevin O'Connell is that that's like the new era, right? Like it's a complete departure from what Minnesota had previously with two super football-y football guys and, you know, hardcore scout and Rick Spielman, hardcore football gruff guy in Mike Zimmer and in defense and, and all of those things. Yes, Matt Eberflus is a defensive head coach, but just the way that he's building his staff and constructing kind of what he wants to do defensively you know, feels a little bit different, certainly a different system, all, all of that than what's going to actually be run in Minnesota this year. It just kind of feels like I've got a little bit more of what I experienced in Minnesota now in Chicago, because Poles is a football guy through and through. He's a, co- a former college scout, former director of college scouting. He's got the scouting acumen and the football background in terms of being a player and then truly knowing player personnel like he's an expert in that area now the thing i don't know about the bears is that who's going to run their salary cap because they hired this guy matt feinstein who was on the nfl management council and unless that was Paul's guy he would have worked with him because you know the the new cap guy or director of football administration for the bears is in player personnel so i would imagine he and Mayan polls had cross pass at some point, but who's going to be running their salary cap situation because it just doesn't, it isn't completely clear yet. And they've got about 27 million in cap space to work with. So it's like those types of things are what I'm, I'm working through now to figuring out, okay, here's how the sausage is going to be made. Here's how all the puzzle pieces fit together. And that'll take time. But my first impressions are kind of the way they were in Minnesota, except in Minnesota, it feels like this gigantic breath of fresh air because it's so new. They don't have newness there like they do now all that often. Chicago has a coaching search or a GM search every couple of years. Like that is just what it's been. So in, in talking with people on the beat and talking with people who work for the team or previously worked for the team, this is more of status quo of what we're seeing now of, okay, these two get a shot now. Let's see if it works. So that's kind of where things like at least from my initial imp- like initial impressions of both Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus are, but, you know, speaking with people who know Matt Eberflus and know that defense, you know, it's interesting to see what they're going to do in free agency because you have two critical pieces that are not free agents who may end up being great trade bait for you and Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. And I'm wondering if Eberflus coming in, it's going to say, eh, I love these guys too much. I took the job, not just for Justin Fields, but because I've got some all-stars on the other side of the ball. You know, do they trade them? Do they try to get draft picks? Do they want to keep and build around that? Time will tell, but it's, it's, it's interesting learning a new roster in that respect too, to find out what the priorities are going to be for the players that are currently there. I wonder this about both Kevin O'Connell and uh, Uberflus uh, of whether um, you know they will allow the team to do the thing that they should probably do front office wise. So the Chicago Bears should probably trade Khalil Mack. His they should probably of- trade Robert Quinn too. Right. Franchise right. record in sacks last year. You will never get a player like that at his with a higher value than he has right now. Right. So it's probably the right move to move on for those guys to fix the cap situation. And also, you know, Khalil Mack is amazing, but he has been hurt. This sort of sounds like the Daniil Hunter conversation as well. And as you go forward, is he going to be worth that uh, as opposed to maybe drafting a defensive end in a draft that clearly has an incredible group of uh, pass rushers coming in it. 
And with the Vikings, it's, you know, Kevin O'Connell, is he going to say, okay, yes, give me a worse quarterback to work with. If they said, okay, we're going to move on from Kirk Cousins and bring in Mitch Trubisky or Ryan Fitzpatrick is your head coach. Who's an offensive coordinator. Is he going to be okay with moving on to bring in something worse and then training a rookie quarterback? Like I, these, these are the things that you wonder about, like what is the influence uh, with these huge decisions that need to be yeah. made for both of these teams? Yeah. And I think that the next couple of weeks, as we get towards the start of the new league year and with free agency, we'll know, okay, the team is definitively going in this direction or that direction, because it's hard that when you have such important decisions to make. If you're Minnesota with a quarterback, you will know very soon whether Kirk Cousins is going to be on the roster or whether he's not going to be on the roster. And by soon too, it could also mean going up to the draft. Like it doesn't mean like the day that the new league year starts, like everything's already been fully guaranteed with his contract. Like they don't have anything left to do unless there's a team that's trying to, to move on from their person or bring him in via trade and do it quickly in free agency because they want to make sure that their finances to go after other free agents are in order. And that would be something they'd have to execute first. Like, you know, but as far as it pertains to, as it, as it pertains to Minnesota, we'll know relatively soon what direction they're going to go at quarterback and who's pulling the strings behind that. Like if it's, you know, and I know that you sat in on all of the availabilities that I was not at last week with the Minnesota Vikings. And I heard what Quasey said that everything's on the table. And I think that's the right thing to do to kind of walk it back a little bit, to give yourself some flexibility that if teams want to call and if they want to give you what you want for Kirk cousins, that you're willing to listen and not just that the door is closed. Don't call us. We're not answering. I think that was a smart play to show all options are on the table because the team the leadership group that they have in there right now is serious about winning. And it might not be winning in the way that a lot of people think would be, you know, the, the, the short-term plan to get to 10 wins, things like that. It could be a long, long-term game. They, they could be doing a lot of different things, but I think in saying all options are on the table, doesn't necessarily mean we want to move on from Kirk cousins. We want to get out from under this contract. It could just mean, well, we're looking long-term he might not be our answer but we're going to let him play it out this year to like figure out if he actually is that guy or if he's not then we move on from him in a year like, there's a lot there and I think the same thing with the Bears too about which and, and it's probably because I'm so much closer still to the Minnesota side of knowing you know how that front office works I will be very curious to see what they do in free agency because Ryan Poles is coming from a place in Kansas City that has a ton of wide receivers that are going to free agency you know who does not have a lot of receivers under contract after March 16th? The Chicago Bears. So do they go after a Brian Pringle? Do they go after, for Matt Eberflus, any of the corners that he had in Indianapolis? I do not personally, just from what I heard this week, I do not think that Xavier Rhodes is going to get reunited with Matt Eberflus in Chicago, and I'll get to cover him again, as bummed as I that would make me to not get to do that because he was awesome, and I love the, re, the, you know, the resurgent story from him, but it's those types of things that are fun to get to draw the ties to be like, all right, when if you see those moves, specific moves happen, then you know who's behind them. Yeah. Uh, and that's always an interesting conversation to have too, is like drawing the connections and will this guy follow this guy there and yep. that sort of thing. Uh, I was at a place of business in Indianapolis uh, one evening, early morning, and I chatted with somebody, let's just say familiar with the situation of Justin Fields. That's all I want to say. I don't want to say who, who it was in any way, just with knowledge of the situation of Justin Fields. 
And that person told me that they felt like the details of the offense were not coached very well at all by Matt Nagy. And they felt like the offensive system of which we've heard, you know, someone like Sage Rosenfels come on the show and talk about this was not really conducive to Justin Fields that this person thought maybe running more play actions, maybe giving him more time to throw, just designing things, the terrific in the boots maybe. And I believe also when he was rolling out of the pocket, he had one of the highest grades in the NFL by PFF or something like that, had a very good big time throw rate, but also had lots of mistakes and things like that as well. And this person felt strongly that that was more Matt Nagy. Uh, Yeah. Was that the feeling that you got talking to people in Indy? Yes. And for a number of reasons. And I think much of that had to do with just the information I was finding out about why the offense fell apart last year and not just Justin Fields, but the offensive line and Allen Robinson and the fallout that he had with the coaching staff. But as it pertains to Fields and why now you're in a situation where you have to build around him and do it quickly, if you're going to be able to yield success, any sort of uh, indication that's going to show you beyond year two, this is our guy is because none of it played to his strengths. It's kind of going back to 2018 with the Bears when they ended up going to the playoffs. And that's the year the double doink, the whole thing. And then the year after that, it's like, okay, so what happened? Like you got away from all the stuff that like made the offense look good the first year and Mitch Trubisky now looks not good. And it felt very much like that just from what I gather with Justin Fields that he was not put into a system that played to his strengths. And Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, who is a former Green Bay Packers quarterbacks coach, has talked about making this a quarterback-driven offense. So what does that mean? Play action, designed rollouts, moving the pocket, putting your quarterback in the best position for him to succeed. And I, I found this answer kind of interesting, though. Because I asked Matt Eberflus during that, the the annoying thing about this was last week, you know, unlike what you guys had in Minnesota, where you get the podium session for both GM and head coach, you get a side session too. My only introduction to Matt Eberflus was yelling very loudly. I had like three false starts trying to ask a question at the, I heard Quasi in out of my left ear because he was at the podium at the same time that Matt Eberflus was last Tuesday. So it was difficult to get a question in. But when I finally asked about it, I said, okay, Luke Getzey said, this is a quarterback driven offense. How do protections and protection in, in general offensive line, how does that play into what, you know, it, it being a quarterback driven offense, basically help protect your quarterback, make sure that he is in a system that's going to bring out the best of him. And his answer wasn't what I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be about addressing the offensive line and, you know, because Ryan Poles had said, basically, they don't want, they need to get thinner. They don't want fat offensive linemen. And that's, that's, that's just like the, the long and the short of it, where they need to be more in shape because last year they had guys who were too big, couldn't move, couldn't execute the scheme, all of that. Not saying they need to go like the complete opposite direction of these zone schemes where you basically have tight ends playing guard, but you know what I mean? Anyways, Eberflus's answer was, well, we need to get the ball out quickly. He needs to get the ball out quickly. And I thought that that was kind of, Like, huh, I didn't ask the question 
to get that. Like to, I didn't think that that was the answer I was going to get when I asked that question. I thought the answer was going to be along the lines of offensive line has to be one of our focal points. You have three or five starters. They're hitting free agency. We might try to move some guys around like a Tevin Jenkins. I know they like Larry Borum. Um, you know, what are they going to do with James Daniels? All these things. But that part was very interesting to me about him needing to get the ball out quicker when I'm like, hmm, shouldn't you be doing things to buy him some time to get the ball out in this quarterback driven offense? So I just thought that that was kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, if it kind of makes you think that if they are going to be in a spot where they're asking Justin Fields to just like, you know, pitch the ball out real quick. Maybe that's not the best thing for him. So, and that could just be, you know, an introductory thing of a head coach who's on the defensive side of the ball saying what he thinks would be the right thing because that would make it harder on a defense, right? You get the ball out faster. He's a defensive guy, but I would like to believe that what they're going to do with Justin Fields this year is going to be a far departure from what it was last year. I mean, Matt, Ryan Poles had talked about having to give him kind of the security blanket. He said, I forget the exact phrase, but, you know, giving him that guy who's either a slot receiver, a tight end, your security blanket, your secret weapon, finding those players. Cause they just don't have a lot of them on the roster right now. Well, um, didn't they have Jimmy Graham on the team? I mean, <laughs> they had Cole Komet. He's still there. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Graham is one of their expensive free agents who I would imagine probably gonna retire soon like i don't know i feel like the guy's been in the nfl for like 10 years already but it was just really you funny. are right you're right about that yes they did have that alan robinson and he went from like 9.4 targets a game in 2020 to five and a half a game last year and that shows you that there was a massive disconnect within the offense and really the execution of the play calling which which started with the head coach yeah. I mean, I was being sarcastic about Jimmy Graham. Like I couldn't believe he was still in the league when we got to Chicago. I was like, come on, what? He's on the team. They, got, they, the they, they seem very, they seem very high on Cole Komet though. That second round tight end from Notre Dame, which I remember they drafted him during the COVID year. Cause I believe that that was another year. Correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't have a lot of picks in that draft and he was there. That, that was, I mean, honestly, it's a pretty good draft class that they have there because they had him, Darnell Mooney, and Jalen Johnson. So that's kind of their crux of what they're trying to build around right now. A draft class that's only two years old. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and with Justin Fields, you know, I think that a lot of it was on him, that he took on a lot of water himself by not getting rid of the football. And it's always one of those chicken and egg type of things is how much is him not getting rid of the football and how much is the offensive system and all those types of things. I think that with rookies, it's really hard to know. 
because the game is moving so fast for them, but he was still doing it toward the end of the season, even when he was showing improvement. And I, and we even saw him run into like three DJ Wanham sacks. That's yeah. a, that's something that I don't know that you just figure out. It's kind of like, how do you work around the fact that he has this problem? And for Russell Wilson, Seattle has always worked around it by running, uh, running the football a lot on early downs and then running play action. And everyone wants them to throw every play, which I think is probably leaning toward more, right. But they want him to throw every play, but he also takes a ton of sacks. And so yeah. it's like this balance of like, how do you kind of protect him from himself a little and maximize what he can do down the field? That, I mean, that's like the number one thing that everyone cares about with Chicago is if you're in Minnesota is, is Justin Fields going to be good uh, because in the first year, we know that you can't really figure that out. Yeah. But if he turns out to be good, then all of a sudden this weak division looks a lot stronger. If he's taking sacks like he did last year and doesn't improve, then the Chicago bears are going to be stuck in neutral for quite a while. And this year feels like it's the situation for them to fill out their depth as much as George McCaskey said that they want to still be competitive and, and kind of echoing a lot of what Mark Wolf had said about the Vikings this year. You, you've got to imagine that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus did not take this job thinking that they had to go win the NFC North this year, whether Aaron Rodgers is there or whether he's not. Now, obviously, if Rodgers is not in Green Bay, that all bets are off. Everyone in the division, even Detroit, is like, hell yeah, we're going to contend. We're going to at least try. But I think the realistic thing for Chicago is that if you've got just under $30 million in cap space and what Ryan Poles has said about hitting the second and third wave of free agency, this is your year to build out your depth, to get quality you know, guys who are going to be quality backups for you in a year when you think maybe you can contend or at least be in the running in 2023. Now, as it pertains to what that means for Minnesota, like I would think that the Vikings, the way that they are right now, and we are assuming at this moment that Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback, they shouldn't have all that much to worry about, right? Because it's not like the makeup of that Bears team is changing all that much. Now, if Justin Fields is eons better, or even like just below that and showing like a ton of improvement as a, as a second year quarterback, then watch out because it shows you, you have somebody you're going to have to face twice a year. They spent a first round pick on, they clearly like him that that's, that's something you're going to have to prepare for. Not saying that it's going to make you change your draft strategy and go like the Randy Moss rules on a team, but it could, it could certainly play into that. The thing that why this year is so important for, for the Chicago bears is that next year's quarterback class should be pretty good. You've got the current Heisman winning Heisman winning trophy Heisman trophy winning quarterback in Bryce Young. You've got the quarterback at Ohio State. You've got all of these other players who are like up and comers and causing more noise now as juniors going into their senior year or even like or some who are not who some are sophomores going into junior year and then like the current junior class is actually just from some scouts that I talked to because I was like is this quarterback class currently really as bad as they're making it out to be and you'll get mixed opinions on it but it sounds like the juniors from last year who are going to be seniors this year are making a little bit more noise so that should I, I say all this to say the bears better figure it out this year with Justin Fields, because you don't want to be in a situation where it's like after year two, we still don't know what we have. And the interesting one, the scenario that was brought up to me is kind of a comparison here is Dwayne Haskins in Washington. So Ron Rivera and his staff comes in there and they're clearly not sold on the quarterback. They don't, they're not all that fond of the quarterback and the quarterback ends up being off the roster by 
the end of December in 2020, in 2020. So, and I know there's some off the field stuff with Dwayne Haskins and and some of the rhetoric around his work ethic. I'm not even going to get into that, but I know that that all factored into the ultimate decision for them to move on. But Justin Fields is now going to be coached by a staff that didn't draft him. So it's so important for him this year to prove, okay, I can be that guy because we'll soon find out. Did Ryan Poles take this job for, for Justin Fields? Did Matt Eberflus take this job for Justin Fields? And we'll find that out soon because if he starts playing poorly and you can start seeing the writing on the wall that, Hey, they might draft somebody in 2023 that just shows you he's on borrowed time. Oh, let me talk about the fail quick thing is if you can decide after year two, that he's either your guy or not your guy, then you can make a decision because if you lose a bunch of games this year, because Justin Fields can't play, then you can draft somebody else next year and just move forward. It's better to know sooner rather than later. And a lot of teams never get into that because the person can be just good enough. And then you find out, wow, we wasted his whole, this whole rookie contract and it never ended up being something that yielded another deal or made us comfortable that we got it right. And hell the bears just went through this with Mitchell Trubisky. Did they not? Yeah, they did. Right. They don't don't want to be in the same spot. They tried to talk themselves into it for a couple of years after it being clear that he was not going to be the guy. And then they end up trying to throw in Nick Foles into the mix and everything else. It just became a mess because they couldn't be honest with themselves about what Mitch Trubisky really was. And then they had a completely fraudulent quarterback competition. And remember that Teddy Bridgewater was going to sign with Chicago and then decided not to because they told him he was going to have to compete with Trubisky and he knew he wasn't going to win that because Trubisky was the guy that they invested so much in. Um, So you don't want to make the same mistake. And think about if Washington had just drafted Justin Herbert instead uh, of drafting Chase Young, who was amazing, but not Justin Herbert amazing. Um, So I guess we'll find out if that ends up happening. Like, do they double, triple down or do they move on quickly? Here's a question for you. If you're the Chicago Bears and you're looking at the Vikings quarterback situation, what do you want the Vikings to do? Like what would, what would a Chicago bears Ryan Poles or Matt Eberfers say, here's what I want the Vikings to do because that's better for us, the bears. Well, I think that they're looking at it saying, okay, if you want to keep Kirk cousins around, it's good for us. And us would mean the Chicago bears because Name me a game that Kirk Cousins has gone lights out against the Chicago Bears. You can't. You can't. And yes, I know that they won as in Soldier Field at the actual convincing win that they had in 2020, the COVID year on the Monday night game. Like Kirk played pretty well that game. But there's not anything that leads you to believe, man, this guy is a division killer. Like get him out of there because, you know, we, we need something. We need, we need somebody like a little bit, uh, you know, a step down. to to compete against that would give them a chance to win. Like the bears have been in just about every single game. Like the reason the last time that they played, or I guess the second to last time the game in early December, 2021, they couldn't score points because their offense was atrocious. Like it wasn't a matter of like the defense, you know, giving the Viking, the Vikings defense giving, or excuse me, it wasn't a matter of like the bears offense going toe to toe with the Vikings offense. And, and, you know, they could barely score like 10 points. So I think it's now a matter of, okay, it, it will certainly depend on who they have rushing the passer and what they do with Robert Quinn and what they do with Khalil Mack. But I think it's keep Kirk cousins staying put 
in Minnesota, that's probably the best thing they could wish for unless because, you know, like if you, they know it wouldn't be it would only be a short term thing if like the Vikings were terrible for a year with a quarterback who takes a step back in terms of quarterback play. They know that that wouldn't be that would be short lived because that would be Minnesota's way of taking a step back to grow for the future. And they then they would end up getting a first round quarterback or trading to get somebody better. But I think that they know what they've seen in Kirk Cousins. And yes, this is a new coaching staff, but Matt Eberflus was a part of the defensive staff that played against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings in 2020 when they got embarrassed on the road. They've have other people on that staff who who know him and have played against him too. Like I think that we all know what Kirk Cousins is. Do we not? We know what the ceiling is. We know that Kevin O'Connell is going to get a certain level out of Kirk Cousins. It's just never going to go above a certain level, if that makes any sense. I know people want to believe, oh, he was his quarterback's coach. He vouched for him. He, he wants him here. He knows how to take Kirk's game to the next level. There is no next level. Like what you see is what you get with Kirk Cousins. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, there's a, there's limits to it. And I think the bears know that. So that's probably what they would want to see happen in free agency. And also knowing like that they wouldn't have to compete against any, the bear, the, the Vikings for any free agents because Kirk's contract is an albatross and, you know, gonna, unless they do something else, they are not going to be able to be active. Hell they're like over the cap by a lot right now. So they're not even like at, they're not even in the black yet. So that would not, not saying Chicago would be going against any of the same free agents, just from like a wide scale thing uh, that Minnesota would potentially want, but at least it prevents one of, you know, 31 other teams from going after guys that they might want on veteran deals. Well, that's what I was thinking is if you're the Chicago bears, you are not afraid of Kirk cousins at all. Recent history would tell you you're not afraid of him at all. And I'm not sure who in the league would be, would be terrified. Like here comes Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes to play. you. You're like, Oh man, it's going to be a long day. Of course. Uh, but w- what is it? I mean, okay. If we, as a defense play like the Seahawks and leave everyone wide open, I mean, you're afraid of Justin Jefferson killing you, but I'm not sure you're ever really afraid of cousins. And you're especially not afraid if he has a mediocre roster around you, which is how it's always going to be. If his contract is taking up $40 million of cap space. And I think that what you'd want as an opposing team in the NFC North is the Vikings to lock themselves in to a quarterback. You're not afraid of for a ton of money. And yeah. so when you think of it, it's all, it's sort of like when a team kicks a field goal at the eight yard line and you go, the defense is so happy that you just did that. The last thing the defense wanted you to do is go for it and potentially score that touchdown. They love that. You just kicked that field goal and they feel great. I feel the same way about this. If you're the lions and you're the bears, you're laying your head down your pillow every night going lock them in 40 million bucks, guys, lock them in long-term. Cause we know that we could beat them. Uh, and we've seen that, of course. So do you think uh, that the Bears, though, realize what we all kind of realize that the Vikings? I mean, yes, like the long term extension. Give me five more years of Kirk Cousins signed Matt Eberflus. Like, of course. But do you also think that they probably have the self-actualization to realize, OK, or at least just like the awareness that he's probably not the answer there long term, that they might be running out of their days of seeing Kirk Cousins? Yes, I I, I think that uh, everybody in Indy was talking about like the only question really is like, will they draft a quarterback this year and then have that person sit behind Cousins? Will they trade Cousins? Uh, Will they do something with his contract to keep it one year? But when Kwesi Adolfo Mensa said 
something alluding to, is it a one-year thing? Or I don't know if it's the five-year option is like, okay, I think I get what you're saying uh, (laughs) when you're talking about this. And there's just no world where you really make it work, where you say, okay, it's going to be locked in to a contract that goes to elite quarterbacks, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to make 40 million on the cap. Like, how can you make that work? And our buddy, Chad Graff has reported what we kind of already figured anyway, which was not taking a deal to um, create a bunch more cap space. So we I knew think, this, right. I, re- I reported this when I was on the beat that like back coming out of the senior bowl, this is, and I'm, and I'm willing to eat crow. I'm going to say it now because we, we, you know, we got people listening to this podcast who love to hate on the two of us. And then they act like they don't actually consume our content. You people do, you know what you're doing. Um, and, but I'll say this for those people that he has no incentive to take a pay cut. Okay. Why would he, why would you give up the leverage that you have earned for yourself? Your agent has earned for you. That's not going to happen. So I promise you, you're not going to see him come in here and there are people who have no pulse on this team who want to throw out, oh, well, maybe after like three years, they can get, you know, voidable years on his contract and all this other stuff. It's great in theory. In reality, it's not going to happen. You are going to be locked. If, if they give him an extension, if they don't go the route of letting him play out this year and then figuring it out beyond that, because regardless, he will be as expensive as he would be if you're paying him now you let him play it out and he has a good year this year like you will be he will he he has no incentive to take a pay cut and I do not believe that he will I'm I'm happy to come back on this podcast and um you know lick my wounds if I'm wrong on that but I do not think I am because you know there are a lot of the same people that we're all talking to who have a pulse on this thing and how this is going to work out Kirk has no incentive to do that Right. I can't figure out even why he would do a void years thing for them um, because he has to agree to that. Maybe, maybe he does uh, just for this year. If they tell him straight up, we're not signing you, we're not trading you. Can you, you can we work out something where you still get all your money? It's just that we lower it, but I don't really like that option for the Vikings. I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to have Kirk cousins cap hit in 2025 when he's not playing for you. Um, I mean, again, what would the bear, what would the bears do for the Vikings? Let's add a bunch of void years on. So it's tougher for them down the to move road on from. Yeah, exactly. They like keep kicking that can down the road and it's like, damn, you still have to pay that bill. Right. Exactly. So I have a, um, Chicago bears quiz for you now that you are on the beat. Uh, so I'm going to get to that in one second, but I thought since we just came from the combine, we should really draft sim. Don't you we think? Should. I mean, I think Courtney, our draft scout, it is all in now and it is fully time to start uh, draft scouting so what an incredible week it was for everyone who ran and i have to wonder about like what was the, the clock a little off in Indy or like what the heck happened there with all the 40s because they were just out of this world did somebody like put some sticky stuff on the floor to make them run faster or like what happened there? Cause that so I talked 40 to, times made no sense. And that's the thing. These That's why pro days always tend to hold so much more weight. But I talked to a scout friend of mine this morning and I said, uh, do you, did you get any sort of like explanation? Cause they were all there watching this stuff get timed. And I was told that they thought the lasers were a little off the first day. But overall, it's a group of really fast players and the handheld times that they had were obviously pretty fast, too. So I'll be real curious when these pro days, because if you see how many fast 40 times there were and then how many non 
super duper fast cone drill shuttle you know the shuttle run the whole thing like those times compared to 40 times huge discrepancy all that stuff's going to get retimed at pro days and i think the numbers will even themselves out a little bit but the unofficial 40 times what we're seeing we're like holy crap like all the like you know these dudes are just like Maybe people are getting faster, but I just tend to think that there was a little something that just didn't seem right with that because of the amount of wide receiver, running back, and offensive line 40s that were just like blazing fast. I do think there's something to it that everybody trains to win the combine now that before maybe there was some of this, but there are a lot of guys now who do not play in their team's bowl games and go to straight up to the combine. Yeah, right, right. And they just go right into training. But there's even like there's even a cottage industry of combine trainers because mm-hmm. there's so much money on the line if you succeed there that they're not practicing necessarily as much football as they are winning the combine. Not something you love to see, but I think that plays a role in it too. So I draft simmed and you draft simmed, too. but you also too. draft sim not just for the Bears but for the Vikings as well. I, on, I only only draft for, the for the Vikings because okay. the Bears have picked thirty nine. Are any of our listeners really that intrigued with pick 39, which will probably end up being a wide receiver? Probably not. So for the purposes of this, Courtney, our draft scout, and I talked and she said, go ahead and do a Vikings draft sim and I'll grade it. So I said, okay. "Okay." So I did. She actually wasn't like two, like, you know, I did two in a row and I ended up taking the same players both times. And she's like, you have no creativity, but Mm. I respect the players that you picked. So. All right. So uh, let's, let's go into it with how mine went. Uh, this one has Kyle Hamilton going number one. I feel like Aiden Hutchinson after this week is probably going number one. Yeah. Um, and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau going number four, which I still think he has a possibility. I don't really know what to make of the personality studies and all sorts of things on that. So I got to number 12 and every quarterback was on the board for the Vikings, which I don't think is going to happen after the week that Malik Willis just had. And maybe PFF hasn't updated their simulator to uh, suggest that, but I took Malik Willis. I I feel like if you're the Vikings and you get to number 12 and he's still on the board with his raw talent, you are picking someone that has the ceiling of being a superstar NFL player and you have to take him. He's the only quarterback in this draft that has that as their ceiling And that would be my selection far and away for them. If you pass on Malik Willis at 12 and he goes to somebody else and becomes Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, I mean, how can, how can you look yourself in the mirror? If you're a Quasi Adafo Mensa, you can find another edge rusher. You can find another corner. You can find another guard. You can't find another dude who just throws the ball 75 yards and probably runs a four, four. So I took Malik Willis. I like it. He wasn't available to me in mine. Mm. He went at nine to the Denver Broncos because according to this mock draft simulator, Aaron Rodgers is staying in green Bay. So this might not be all that popular to Vikings fans because the next quarterback that was on the board was Sam Howell. And I'm just not sold right now. I'm not. So I listened back or I read that like back on what Kevin O'Connell said last week about being multiple within 11 personnel, but not just relying on 11 personnel. Cause I wrote a big thing on it before I left of, all right, not just like, okay, this is what the Rams did. Vikings take the blueprint. It's what have former Rams assistants done before Sean McVay or under Sean McVay. So 
Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, and implied those principles of that offense to their own team. So I thought that was kind of interesting what Kevin O'Connell said, and, and you probably know it verbatim, of just like being multiple within those within those formations and, you know, building around Kirk Cousins. Adam Thielen's on the other side of 30 years old. It, he's got a very high cap hit for, for him right now th- this year. It's a uh, two, th- excuse me, 2022 cap hits $12.045 million. I'm not really sure that they want to keep him at that number. You know, there's always a talk of a pay cut. There's always a talk of, um, you know, potentially restructuring his contract, but if they were to potentially find a good trade partner, and I'm not suggesting that that's like what they should do. I'm just thinking, how do you replace that? Because you've got to have a lot of weapons in this offense and for Kirk Cousins to be successful, a lot of those have to be wide receivers. So I ended up going with Drake London, the wide Mm. receiver from USC at 12 for the Minnesota Vikings. And I know that's probably not the biggest need that they have right now, considering all the things they have to do defensively. But when you're talking about value and best player available, like you're not drafting, you know, at 12, you shouldn't be drafting for, for need at that spot. I think that's still a high enough draft pick where it's like you take the best possible player you can. And of course, my brain always, at least until until they aren't back in the Super Bowl, my brain's always going to go to what happened with the Cincinnati Bengals in taking Jamar Chase over Panay Sewell. It will always go to that and how that dynamic changed the offense and gave Joe Burrow another weapon and they became this dynamic three-headed monster in the pass game. So that's why I went with Drake London. I think if you pair him with Justin Jefferson, you know, you get Irv Smith back at the tight end position, whatever happens with Adam Thielen. Like, you know, this could give you a chance to get out from under an expensive veteran contract, or you have another weapon, like who knows how many more years, I mean, Adam Thielen's coming off of an ankle surgery that he had in the off season. And once you get past 30 and you start having surgeries like that, you're going to naturally slow down. It's nothing on Thielen. It's just, that's just the, that's how bodies work. So I think it sets you up for long-term too, if you are willing to concede in a way that like, okay, this year might not be, you know a divisional playoff year for the Vikings. I, I know that some people aren't going to like that pick and, the, and there were corners that were available to me. I thought I might've been overdrafting a little bit. If I were to have gone with somebody like an Andrew Booth, who the kid from Clemson, because there's a big gap between Derek Stingley jr. Where he was taken and then Trent McDuffie, like in Ahmad Garner, all those guys went before I was picking at 12. And then there's a huge gap all the way down to the Raiders at 22. So I feel like, I don't want to overdraft there. And I know that like there, there's reason to believe that like the, the corner order will switch and, and, you know, maybe there'll be more taken in the top 15, but that's how my board fell. And that's why I felt I can't go for need here and go get a center or do anything like that. And there's plenty of edge rushers. So I know I'm going to get one at some point. Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right. At SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel, you can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to sodastick.com, that is S-O-T-A, 
S-T-I-C-K.com and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I love the pick. I thank you. I, I think. Well, first, I would say that drafting a receiver uh, helps you in the immediate because receivers can step right in and help you right away. They are not sure like a guard or a tackle or something that is more of a developmental type thing. And I think mostly edge rushers, unless you're taking the top ones, they usually take a year or two to develop as well, where receivers, I mean, if they're good, they're probably good and helpful right away, even if there's still some development to go. And it's a, it's a short and long-term. It helps yeah. you right away. It helps Kevin O'Connell be better at his job right away, gives them more options for personnel. And then long-term, if this player is a major hit, then you have them on their rookie contract while Justin Jefferson is getting his big contract. Yep. And so you're always thinking with these draft picks, it's not just next year. What's our immediate need. It's several years down the road and whoever you have as your long-term quarterback, if we think it's not Kirk cousins, you could take that person and put them into a situation with two first round draft pick wide receivers. And then a KJ Osborne, who's developing free agents that you want uh, and, or an Adam Thielen, who's still good down the road, like Larry Fitzgerald was because he's good route runner still, but you want somebody who could transition into that number two role and create this situation for your quarterback where he's got people open all the time. And with guards and centers, as much as we think like, yes, this is very valuable because in the past they've been crushed by having bad ones. If you can spend some money, some real money, not like Tom Compton money, not like, or let's draft someone in the sixth round and move them from tackle to guard type of plan. If you can have a real plan there, you can Mm -hmm. solve that situation without having it to be spending high draft capital. I mean, look, there's like five good centers in free agency right now that the Vikings could look at. It's hard to find freaky wide receivers in free agency. And then when you do, they're going to get $20 million. Expensive, like Amari Cooper, Juju Smith-Schuster, all these guys that are available this year, that's going to cost you. Right. Because if you let those players hit the open market, they're going to get top dollar. Like like players of that caliber. So from a financial standpoint, I think it's brilliant. But you can tell draft draft scout that yourself. I mean, (laughs) she's also not suggesting, like in anything, because I know there's going to be people who are like, why are you suggesting the Vikings move on from Adam Thielen, blah, blah, blah. You have to start thinking longer term here, longer term. That's what Kevin O'Connell, he didn't come in here to like win, win year one, realistically, like it'd be great. And in Jefferson Thielen, that's an all-star duo, right? But Adam Thielen missed a couple games last year because he was hurt. He has been dealing with a couple injury issues the last few years that have, that has cost him some time. So I think that you just got to factor all those things in on top of where they're at right now with this contract. I mean, for for those of you who are like big on, you know, over the cap and, and, you know, monitoring the salary cap situation for the Minnesota Vikings, that's one to keep an eye on. What are they going to do with his contract? Cause if you keep Kirk cousins at $45 million, which they very well could, you got to start pulling from other places in order for that number to go down. Yeah. They're about 15 million over right now. Restructures, pay cuts, things along those lines are what you're looking at. 
Right. And if Adam Thielen didn't want to take a pay cut, then you reach an impasse. And that's why these next few weeks will be really interesting. Yes, they will be. Uh, second round pick. I took uh, my Jay Sanders from Cincinnati who scored in the 90th percentile of um, the relative athletic scores in terms of athletes as a pass rusher. He is undersized, but he weighed in differently at the senior bowl than he did at the combine because I guess he got sick. And so he lost some weight, got real, like, I, I don't know, just a bad illness and lost some weight yeah. for the combine, but everything that he did scored pretty well. He had good numbers at Cincinnati, uh, had a great game against Alabama, which I think matters if you're facing that competition. And he's sort of your evidence of a deep edge rusher class. So if they're yep. taking someone lighter who's had success uh, and has really good athletic scores, second round, I think you've got a chance to get somebody who's really a fit in that finger quote three, four type of system that uh, Ed Donatello is going to bring. So that's who I took. Who did you take in the second round? I, I took an edge rusher as well. I took uh, Kingsley Ngabare, I think is how you pronounce his name. The uh, edge rusher from South Carolina. I mean, this is a team that drafted DJ Wanham not that long ago. So they clearly know what that defense is and, and, and they have ties to ties to that program. They would, they know the type of player they got in Wanham. They know the type of player that they could potentially have. I mean, those two are teammates. So to me, the edge rusher situation that Minnesota faces this year of like, you know, I think Daniel Hunter will end up probably being on this roster. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think that they, you can't just like take, even though he is still a question mark with the health of the pack and everything else, like you just can't take the best player that you have on defense. Even if he's hurt, even if he's still coming off injury and be like, all right, bye. Cause then what do you have to build around? Like you, 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 it's such a major hole. They already have holes with their, pass rush they've got to fix it so I think that getting in Gabare um the defensive end from South Carolina is a good value pick for where the Vikings are picking at round two like he's physical but you know he gives you kind of some flexibility about like how you know you know where he can rush from right yeah, like yeah. power he's length big. huge like he's massive yeah yeah six four what was it gonna six four two six two fifty eight um, it's what the NFL, like their official thing has him at, but like, he's, he's a big guy. So I think that you're not going to have like this finesse pass rusher, like you're unique in Gawkways or whatever. You're going to have like a heavy duty pass rusher. And that gives you, it gives you power. It gives you the ability to, you know, stick somebody out on the edge opposite Hunter, whoever, you know, if it's Wanham, like whatever you're going to do, he can work into that rotation. So to me, I'm with you in the belief that pass rushers take a while to develop unless you are a top 10 pick. This is somebody who you get some time with and depending upon what they're going to do in a three, four, you still need edge rushers. You still need guys to go after the quarterback. So there's, there's, there's reason to believe that he would be effective in that. So um, this is where I just want to plug the PFF draft simulator. If you want to play around with this, because if you it's, click, it's so good, it's so it's good. Such, it's, it's the best tool that we've used uh, on the show. If you click anyone's name, they have expanded this. So you could get their, all their grades, the scouting reports from PFF, everything right there. So I just popped up uh, Engelbare and he had a 92 pass rush grade. Um, and then we looked at weirdly, his draft stock has kind of gone down, um, but that might result in him being a steal because his production did not go down. So, uh, okay. I really like it. I really like it. I like both of our 
draft Sims. You went with the let's get a receiver because Mm -hmm. the quarterback you wanted wasn't there. I went with draft the future quarterback and edge rusher in the middle rounds is definitely uh, or early. I should say not, not like fourth round, not, not for that. That hasn't worked, but in the second round, something like that, if you're not drafting one in the first makes a ton of sense. And I will say, if you look at PFF's big board, which is, is really well done, um, because we were kind of talking about is Kyle Hamilton, like the first player taken off the board is Aiden Hutchinson. Like they're going to show you on their big board, kind of how things fall. Like, and if this were to fall just in order at 12, they have Tyler Linder, Linderbaum, the center Mm -hmm. from, from Iowa, Um, you know, obviously a very good player. Do I think Vikings fans would be upset if, and I'm just like reading this literally as a big board, not as a mock draft, but um, you know, would I be, would I think Vikings fans would be upset if they take an offensive lineman that high, not necessarily, but you know, that player has to pan out far earlier than Garrett Bradbury, because this is, I mean, last year was the make or break year. And I feel like at this point come may, you're going to be looking at a team that's not picking up that guy's fifth year option. So you'd be looking at, okay, who's the next offensive lineman? Who's the center that's going to come in here. And if you, if you just kind of worries me, cause this Linderbaum guy is six, three, two ninety. Who does that sound like to you? I so know that's a little I, worrisome that like you, you know, I can understand if they, if, if Vikings fans like think, okay, keep addressing the offensive line. We're so close. We've got, you know, our two bookends with, Darisaw and with O'Neal, everything's set. Like if you can just find some like serviceable guys in the center, uh, you know, in the interior of your offensive line, whether it's at center, whether it's a guard, like whether you can get in the draft, like great. Like, but just throwing caution to the wind here a little bit on that. I know. Uh, and with a center, my thing is always in order to make a real difference at center in the draft, the guy has to be incredible. He can't just be okay. He has to be like the best center in the league. He has to be Alex Mack or Travis Frederick. If he's not, then you wasted your draft pick because you can find good. You can find okay for a reasonable price in the free agent market or develop one as a lot of teams have developed. It's a lot harder to take a defensive end in the third or fourth and develop them because there's just a, there's a bar that you have to reach athletically that those guys just don't generally reach. Um, So well, good drafts and good first drafts and there'll be plenty to go. And now are you ready for your Chicago bears quiz? Because I want to make sure that you're truly prepared to cover the Chicago bears. I know you got off to a, a well, we'll call it a Rocky star. Let's just be honest. I mean, you're being thrown into the combine and it's going here, asking people trying to figure out who's on the team. So yeah. I want to, I want to help you prepare with this Chicago bears quiz. Are you prepared? I, I am prepared for your quiz. I think, or at least I'm prepared for it to happen. I will say that what I did, what I'm doing now, because there's still on their way. When I got the Vikings beat in 2017, I really didn't know much about the team. Like, yeah. And, and, and people are always going to accuse me of being a bears fan or growing up one. I promise you they were terrible. Like, and I was talking with some of the beat writers about this the other night. Like I can count on my hand three times. I went to a bears game growing up. And by the time I mean, growing up means like either like until college, I went to a preseason game when I was in high school, I went to the 2010 NFC championship bears Packers. Cause and I mean, like awesome game. Like, I mean, incredible environment to be there for that. And that was because one of my brother's close friends got tickets and I was home from college that weekend. And I went to bears Titans in 2012 or 13. It was the, it was just some random game. Cause I lived in Indianapolis at the time and we drove down. So like, I promise you, I 
have not been to a lot of bears games. I was not a bears fan and don't have that institutional knowledge. Just like when I started with the Vikings, like I rent, I uh, bought a ton of books, just a like Vikings history books, the 50 things Vikings fans should know type thing. And like Mark Craig wrote, and that's exactly what I did again with the, uh, with the Chicago bears. So I'm very excited to actually start reading about the history of this team. So I may fail this quiz. It may not be great, but I can at least try. And I can also, I have, I have all the self-confidence in the world to to say, I don't know everything about this team yet, but I will Mm. damn sure work my butt off to make sure I do. Well, I made it multiple choice and I made it easy to hard. So I'll get you right into it. And then. Oh, I I, I remember when you were forming this thing at the combine. (laughs) So I'm excited to see kind of where you went with us. Wait, you were there. I only saw a bears reporter next. Oh, wait, that was you. That Uh, was me. Okay. So let's start off. Uh, first question, who coached the Bears in 1985? Was it Bill Walsh, Vince Lombardi, Mike Ditka, or the Bears weren't a team in 1985? Mike Ditka. That is correct. That is correct. So we're getting off, we're getting off to a great start here. Uh, not all the questions are this easy. So number two, which one of these Bears players was a Bears quarterback? Or I, I should say, which one of these players was, was, a, Bears was a Bears quarterback? Uh, a Sid Luckman, B Tony Romo, C Willie Beeman, or D Keanu Reeves. Guy, <laughs> okay, A Sid Luckman. That is correct. Uh, well, wait, where, two. what were what were you thinking? How did Keanu Reeves come into your periphery when you were coming up with this? Did you see something? The replacements. The replacements. He plays quarterback, but I uh, I couldn't remember his name in the movie at the time that I made this, and I could, could look it up, and I'm sure people would be like, "What? You don't remember whatever his name was?" But uh, I also okay. thought about saying Johnny Utah because that was his name in Point Break, which you still haven't seen, right? You still get- have not seen oh it. I'm God. sorry. It's on TV all the time. I'll watch Johnny it. Utah. Unreal. Uh, okay, number three. What year were the Bears founded? Was it A. 1920, B. 1969, C. 1955, or D. Yesterday. <laughs> yesterday God. 1920 they're one of the original teams in the nfl okay that's correct you are three for three now here's where it starts to get a little bit more difficult okay Cut. who is the bears current long snapper is it a patrick manley b austin cutting c patrick scales or d patrick williamson Okay, so it's clearly a Patrick because it's definitely not Austin Cutting, right? Like, no, it's not. Yeah, um, <laughs> that'd be tremendous if it was, though. Three guys named Patrick. Is it Patrick Manley, Patrick Scales, or Patrick Williamson? Can I get? Oh my God, I want to say friend. it's. Can I? Yeah, I think Scales sounds right. Patrick Scales. That's correct. Patrick Manley played for them before Patrick Williamson is made up. You know, you know who played for them in 2017. Jeff Overbaugh. No, no, I, I don't he know. Didn't. Did he? Overbaugh and, played for the Falcons a little. Andrew DePaula, oh, Vikings long Vikings snapper, long played for the Bears. He was their long snapper. Okay, next question. Who was the Bears coach in 2012? See, this is where it gets a little harder. Was it Dave Wanstat, John Fox, Lovey Smith, or Mark Tressman? I want to say it was Mark Tressman. That is your first uh, incorrect answer. It was, was it Lo- Lovey? Lovey? Was it Lovey? Yes, Lovey. So Smith. that was that was pre-Tampa Lovey. It was pre-Tampa okay. Lovey. Yes, Tressman. I remember when that happened, like just being from the area and like being like, "Huh, the CFL coach coming in?" Like, 
that that era the mark trustman era apparently there are some stories i would love to hear those of just like the dumpster fire that that team was i have heard the same thing he's a minnesota guy but i i've heard the same thing that it did not exactly go his way and he was the coach in 2013 so that's what i'm saying 13. is that it's close this enough quiz, was, this quiz gets more challenging as it goes okay? I, I was close i was there okay who is the bears all-time leading receiver is it Willie Galt, Brandon Marshall, Curtis Conway, or Walter Payton? I want to say it's Curtis Conway. It is not. Uh, Curtis Conway is up there on the list. It is actually Walter Payton. And I just thought that was hilarious. Huh. That a, a running back was their all-time leading receiver. You know what? They were ahead of their time. They were throwing the ball. They were throwing screens. Or maybe like... they just didn't have any receivers. I mean, he's a, he's the greatest running back of all time. So apparently he did. I did not, I had never would have guessed that. All right. Two more questions. It definitely wasn't Brandon Marshall. I can tell you that. Right. He was there for a brief time. Curtis Conway was a great Chicago bear. He was, yeah, I I remember him. So yeah. And saying, saying leader receiver, I should have said leading receiver in yards, like in receiving yards that maybe threw you off. No, Uh, I, I never would have guessed that Walter Payton running back. Walter Payton was the leading receiver in receiving yards yeah yeah like okay next question number seven uh there's eight questions on the quiz because that's where i stopped uh the bears had the first 1000 yard rusher in nfl history what was his name was it a runner mcgee b tony the tiger thompson c swanson Muskie, or d <laughs> d Beatty feathers which <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't Walter Payton. That was the name that I was going to, that was, um, no, first, can, you read, first... can, can you read C and D again? I'll just go through it again. No, cause it's not Tony the Tigers. So. Yes, it is. Uh, no, it's not. Um, so you're right about that. Uh, who are the last two runner those... McGee was a Tony, the tiger Thompson was B Swanson Muskie was C and Beatty feathers was D which one of those guys was the first thousand yard rusher in NFL C? history. Swanson was that him? No. Swanson Muskie. It was not. Yeah. It was it was Beatty Feathers. <laughs> Where did you find this? I guess you're gonna need to find some better books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question. Final questions. Is your cover? You've covered both of these teams now. Who has more wins in NFL history? Is it the Vikings or the Bears? I can tell you who has more wins since 2000. NFL history. More wins. NFL history. Bears. Probably the Vikings. It is the Bears. They were around longer. So they are all time in history. But the Vikings went to four Super Bowls. I know. Yeah. And the Bears have been mostly bad, but they've been around longer. It's not a huge gap, but. Yeah. They get basically the the benefit of being around since 1920, like along with like, aren't the New York Giants the other, like there's like three or four teams that were a part of that original group. Um, cause the Vikings didn't become a team till the merger. So or till around then. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, so, I mean, uh, that's right. That's the thing. So they weren't around until like, uh, are we counting like real NFL yeah. team or are we counting a bit of a trick question? Uh, yeah. but, uh, you did. Okay. You did. Okay. Uh, I did okay. They didn't fail. feathers. family is very upset, but aside tell, from that, tell them, I'll tell them, I'll reach out to them with an, a handwritten apology. <laughs> Baby or baby feathers? Uh, let me see how it's spelled. It's 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 baity. Like, B- what year was this? What year do you think it was? Like nineteen twenty four or something. 
B-E-A-T-T-I-E. <laughs> you know, you stuck the one. You thought, no was, you thought it was O one. <laughs> you would have remembered Beatty Feathers if he was there with like Rashawn Salam and Curtis Enos. Yeah, like some awesome names. Like, exactly. but I mean, he is a great name too. Good for Beatty Feathers. I'm going to, once we get off this podcast, I'm not doing anything else this afternoon except looking up his bio. Beatty Feathers. I'm sure he's got a wiki. Uh, okay, well, good stuff. And uh, we will talk again soon and we will continue to draft sim and break down rumors and so forth. We didn't even get to the Rogers situation, but the next time we talk, there might be resolution. Let's hope. One can hope. We all want an off season. Mm, We sure do. So, uh, okay, Courtney, great stuff. And uh, get back to your bears stuff, things. Me and Beatty Feathers. Football.